0: Well good morning. Uh, you guys know how it is as you start to get older and you get more and more responsibility in life you uh realize that life can become harder and harder to manage right there's There's more on your plate, you throw some kids in there, you throw in some work and and now life feels like it's just one constant event after another, and you're trying to keep track of everything and you're trying to process everything. Uh, and it, it can be really hard uh, to, to, to just manage life, right? You get to a point where you're kind of sometimes just praying and, and hoping like, did I leave a kid somewhere? Uh, or did I forget you know, one of those grocery items because now I'm gonna have to come back. So, so what do we do? We, we try to create these techniques to help keep our lives organized, right? So, so the, the simplest one is, is the calendar, right? Some of you are calendar people. You have the calendar on the refrigerator. Uh, there's you high tech people who have the calendars on your phones. Uh, and it's great, especially for a couple, because what I have found is you have the one person who puts everything on the calendar and then the other person just keeps asking, what are we doing, right? Isn't that typically how it works? Uh, you have you have the sticky note people. Uh, you've seen have you seen the sticky note people? The ones that are really good are color coordinated, right? And they've got sticky notes, you know, all over the office. It's all over the house. It's all over the steering wheel, uh, you know, and they're they're able to get a lot done. And then there's the other sticky people who like sticky notes, but they can't remember everything, so they put these all over the place, and then they forget, and they lose them anyway, right? So then they just create a mess of of those people. Uh, We've often, too, seen, uh, you know, the, the phone reminders, You know, I'm going to put something in my phone to go off at a certain time, so that way it reminds me to do something, right? Uh, How many of you are the like reminder on the phone reminder people, though? Where you're like, I have, yeah, look at that. Some of you are like, I got to set a reminder to remind myself to actually go do something, and remind myself later to to go do that, right? But but we try all kinds of things, right? You know, the old like I'm going to put a string around my finger so I don't forget. Uh, You know, the I'm going to say something out loud or create some sort of like word association, so that way when somebody says. Says that I go, oh, that reminds me that I need to go and take care of that, right? Life can get busy. And so we, we, we do all of these things to help ourselves because there's lots of wonderful events and there's lots of wonderful activities that we partake in, but life can get extremely, extremely busy. Uh, and so... You know, we, 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 we get ourselves up in the morning and we make ourselves look really nice. And then by the end of the day, we're a giant hot mess anyway. And we think, why do I waste that time in the morning bothering to make myself look nice when we could save ourselves a few minutes? Right. Well, what we're going to do today is realize that God is the ultimate organizer. God is the ultimate calendar man, not for him, but God did it for us. And he did it for the people Back in ancient times, the Israelites, in Leviticus 23 and 24, God is going to lay out some reminders for his people. So if you have your Bibles, you guys can flip over there. Leviticus 23. Again, I'm not necessarily going to go through every single verse. uh, But what we're going to do is we're going to kind of follow... This way that God has laid out these seven different feasts or festivals, these annual feasts that God had commanded his people to partake in. And there's also going to be three other ongoing rituals that we're going to see that God lays out. And just kind of like last week, I'm going to walk through each of these feasts Talk about what they are, and then come back to them and talk about them with a deeper meaning to really understand why these became such significant events in the yearly life of god 's people. Now, these feasts are obviously if you take a look there, you can see it follows the kind of the agricultural flow of the season, uh, where you're going to start with. Um, You know, the the Passover actually kind of got those reversed. It's actually the the springtime and then uh, the fall. So if you just flip those two words, fall and spring, uh, but it's going to follow those. And for each kind of piece of those chunks where you have the the first and then the harvest is really kind of going to be a middle part. uh, And then the trumpets. God is actually going to call his people to basically come to Jerusalem, to come together from wherever they're at to be able to celebrate what God has done for them. Okay, so the first one is uh, the Passover uh, feast. And this would take place on the, uh, the 14th day of the first month. So this is mostly what we would say is our month of April, uh, but that would be the kind of the beginning of the year for them. Uh, and Exodus 12 tells us that again, when God was calling his people out of Egypt, He said to them, He said, Look, you know, the angel of death is going to come, and what you need to do is you need to take a lamb and you need to sacrifice that lamb. And so this tradition would continue as a reminder of this event. And so they would take a lamb, they'd sacrifice it, and then God tells them, along with this lamb, without defect, you are going to eat some bitter herbs, okay, and you're going to make some bread without yeast. Okay, so that's how they celebrated the Passover feast. Then we had the unleavened bread, which starts after the day of Passover. And this would be for seven days. And the feast of the unleavened bread, you were not allowed to do any work. Uh, for seven days in a row, you were to make an offering. And for seven days, you were not to eat bread that had any leaven in it or yeast in it. Again, um, that, was, uh, that was out of what happened in the Passover, where they had to kind of hurry themselves out of Egyptian bondage. And... Each day, they offered about 10 animals, okay? Uh, Part of that was for the burnt offering. Remember the burnt offering we talked last week was total dedication to God and everything was consumed of the animal. And then you also had some sin offering and some grain offering. So the sin, again, was that reminder of their purification. The grain offering was kind of that way of acknowledging God's provision uh, for him. So that was the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And along with the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, you also had the feast of the first fruits, right? So the first essentially to come out of the ground. Uh, this would occur on the Sabbath after Passover. They would take a sheaf, which was basically a giant bundle of wheat. They'd give it to the priest, uh, and the priest would go and kind of wave that before the altar, kind of as a symbol to God that this was being acknowledged and given to him. Uh, along with that, again, another sacrifice of a burnt offering, a lamb without defect, a grain offering, which was usually about four. Quartz and a drink offering of wine. And they were not to eat anything essentially until God got his meal first. Right. So essentially they're coming before God now with an entire meal and saying, here you go, God, this is your meal. uh, And once you've indulged, now we will then begin to eat as well. Okay, so that was the first fruit. So that, again, was kind of the, the first chunk of the season. The next one is now going to be the Feast of the Harvest. This would actually be about seven weeks or about 50 days after the first set of those feasts. Okay, so you you had the first one. Then you have this little bit of a gap where now they're asked to come back again. Um, And this would happen um, for seven. um, They would bring a, a grain offering, two loaves, four quarts of fine flour baked with yeast. They would have seven lambs. Again, all without defect. They'd offer a bull, two rams, grain offering and drink offering. And again, remember, the burnt offering is all completely consumed to the Lord. Then they got a male goat. That would be for the sin offering. They'd offer two more lambs for the fellowship offering. That's where the offerer God and the priest would all have a chance to eat together along with the bread of the first fruits, that again, they would wave before the altar uh, since this was now considered, again, a holy offering to God. And again, no regular work was to be done. Okay, so again, all of this is brought before God. Nobody's supposed to work uh, in in this time. Then we come to the fall season. In the fall, you had the Feast of the Trumpets. This was the first one. So this would occur in the seventh month. Same thing. This was another day of rest. Don't do any work. And on this day, they essentially would sound the trumpet blast. And that sound of the trumpet blast was basically a symbol to the rest of the people that said, listen, you need to get yourself ready because in 10 days we are going to have the day of atonement, which is going to become that sacred and holy day above all the other ones for them. so for 10 days, there was an expectation that you would humble yourself. You'd be thinking about repentance and forgiveness and you would essentially be putting yourself in the right state of mind for the day of atonement. Now, on this day, though, the day the Feast of Trumpets, Numbers 29 actually gives us a more clear picture of what is to be offered. Uh, So the burnt offering, a ram, a bull and seven lambs. And for each one of those animals, you had to offer a grain offering. So basically, for every animal that you sacrificed, you also had to add another grain offering to the Lord. Another sin offering, which was another male goat, and then another drink offering of wine to God. Right? So again, you're getting this full meal picture every time we're starting to have these feasts. Right? That's what we do at any feast right, or festival. You're always sharing a meal together. So then 10 days later, then you would have the Day of Atonement. Okay, so again, the people have prepped themselves for this day. And for 10 um, for for this day, they were not to do any work. Again, God has already said it. But what we're going to see is that God adds a little bit more instruction here about not to do any work and basically says, listen, if you work on this day, just so you know, I am going to destroy you. Okay? I am going to destroy you if you choose to work on this day. Okay? You will be cut off from the rest of your people. Okay? So there's a little bit more of a sense uh, of, of holiness and sacredness to this day of atonement. And in, Genesis, in Leviticus 16 and 17, we're going to see a little bit more. And I don't want to dive too much further. Uh, but essentially, the priest would make an offering in the Holy of Holies that day. But before he made an offering, the high priest... He had to sacrifice a bull on his behalf uh, before he could go in. And then this is where they would basically take two goats. One of those goats would have its hands laid on and they would make a sacrifice on behalf of the entire community of Israel. And then another goat would be released out out into the wilderness where its sins essentially would be taken away. And along with this, grain, drink offering, seven lambs, another male goat for the sin offering, right? Okay, so that was the Day of Atonement. And then the last one we had was the Day of the Tabernacle, or the Feast of the Tabernacle. Again, this is occurring in that same month. This is a couple days after the Day of Atonement. And essentially, this was kind of a celebration that they've harvested the land, right? That the whole year harvest has been good. And so for seven days, they're going to celebrate. The first one is the day of no rest. The last one is also a day of no rest. And there's all kinds of different offerings. But just to kind of wrap, put it all together, you basically had to sacrifice in those seven days. About 190 different animals were sacrificed on those seven days. Okay, about 190 animals were required to be sacrificed. And one of the other interesting things that God required them to do is they would go out and they would actually have to go out and get kind of some some palm trees and leaves and they would have to make a temporary shelter, almost kind of like they were making a little fort or a little shack. And God called them and said, for those days, you are going to live inside these temporary shelters that I've called you to do. And essentially that's what they did when they were back in the Exodus, when they were leaving, they built these temporary shelters. So as a yearly reminder, God is saying you're gonna build them, you're gonna sacrifice all of these animals as we celebrate the last of the harvest that existed. Okay, and that shelter, again, would be made from the finest branches uh, and the finest leaves that they could find. So these were the seven feasts. Now, the other thing that I mentioned was you had three ongoing rituals. Okay, and we know about the Sabbath. This was an ongoing ritual where every week God would say to his people, he said, you don't do any work. Right. You don't you don't go out. You don't gather. You don't plant. You don't sow. You don't fix your house. Okay, whatever provisions you need to make to, to eat for the next day. You do all of that the day before. So when the Sabbath comes, you are to rest. And then in Leviticus 24, it talks about these lamps that were inside the tabernacle. And these lamps had to continually be burning and burning and burning outside where the veil of the ark was. Right, So you had the ark in there and outside that the lamps had to keep burning and burning and burning. And then the other piece was you had these 12 loaves where every week the priests were to come and they were to have these 12 rows, loaves and they would stack them uh, in, in two stacks of six. And at the end of the week, the priest would take the old loaf off. They would get to eat the old ones and they would then put the new loaves on. So this was a continual weekly uh, ritual that was to be required by God's people. Okay, so those are the seven feasts. Those are the three ongoing rituals that God had offered to them. So why? Why is God doing this? What is the purpose that he lays these out for his people? Well, as I said, we're busy people, right? We as Americans, above all, can be some of the busiest people around. We are a culture that will work ourselves to death if we allow ourselves to do that. Why? Because, well, in America, what do we say? Hard work, determination. You you, you put your mind to it. You can achieve anything you want. You can be successful if you just dig in and get it done. Now, that's not necessarily a bad value. But because of that, we we work and 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 we work. Because we're trying to achieve some sort of success in life. We're trying to achieve this level of success that says if, if, if I put this on my shoulders, I can be prosperous. Right. That, that, that I can create my own destiny of whatever I want it to be. And so then we bear this heavy burden in life. And what happens in the process of that? We forget about God. We we very quickly lose the sense of gratitude, don't we? Because what we start to do is we start to think that everything that I have achieved is because I have achieved it. And we completely ignore God in the entire picture. And then God gets lost from our memory. And so what has God done? God has said, I got to remind my people, because if I don't remind them of who I am, they're they're going to forget. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have these annual festivals and feasts where I'm going to make them stop, where I'm going to communicate to them, you cannot do any sort of work and all you need to do is sit in my presence. Because if I don't remind you of who I am, you're just going to keep thinking it's all about you. And we know that's not true. And notice how he expresses this in Leviticus 23, 28 and 30, especially about the day of atonement. Remember I said this was the most holy and most sacred. He says, don't do any work on that day because it's the day of atonement. And when atonement is made for you before the Lord... Those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. I will destroy them from among their people and anyone who does work on that day, you shall do no work at all. See, that's how serious God is about this. He he says, if if you're gonna come and you're gonna try to work and you're gonna try to sneak in an extra hour, you're gonna try to get a little extra reaping in, a little extra sowing in, a little extra uh, touching up on the house, no, no, no. No, no. If I if I know any of that goes on, I will destroy you. And that word destroy is translated, I will ruin you. I will make you perish. I will end your existence. So he sits us down and then he has us reflect. He says, Okay, you got my attention, God, I'm not gonna work. I'm not going to work. So what are all of these feasts? Well, the first three are all about the Passover. It's all about God's reminder to them. He said, remember when you were in bondage and and you were slaves? Remember when you you worked under the oppression of the Egyptians and you cried out to me? What did I do? I miraculously saved you from that. I, I, I brought you through the Red Sea. Remember you watched the miracle of how I parted the waters? And as Pharaoh's army came after you, it came crashing upon them. And then I led you through the wilderness. And remember, as you wandered through the wilderness, what did I do? I I provided for you. I led you by a a pillar of of fire and cloud. And and I gave you manna and I gave you quail. and, And when you grew thirsty, remember, I gave that to you. See, these were reminders to God's people to rest, to be blessed by God. These were reminders of his constant provision in their lives. And it was a chance for them to enjoy and celebrate the covenant relationship that existed between a holy God and themselves. That their lives had been purified, right? That that all of those offerings God would accept and say, "I, I will accept this and forgive you. And I will cleanse you from your sins. And we can be in relationship again. These were reminders of atonement that I found a way to cover over the things that you have done wrong. And every one of those animals that was slaughtered was an ongoing reminder to them that something had to take their place to find forgiveness, that something had to die because of their disobedience. And it was a way that they got to sit down then with God and they got to fellowship with him and they got to enjoy the blessing of that relationship. And they got to enjoy the blessing of that relationship they had with each other. And when we sit and we take time to remember that, what happens? When we think about all the ways that God has provided in your lives, all the times that God has forgiven you, what does that do? It leads us to a place of worship it leads us to a place where we recognize the goodness of God and just how thankful and how much gratitude we should have for him. So that was the purpose of all of those feasts. It was an annual reminder to put them into relationship again, to remind them that everything they had came from God. Now, how many remember those old transparency machines, right? Remember the the clear ones where you'd write on them or sometimes, you know, you used to do the songs back in the day where you had to quick move the transparency slide to get the new song on? Let let me add another layer of transparency to these feasts. So we talked about what they were to do. We talked about the, the purpose and the intentionality behind it. But I want us to see how these all connect also, to our understanding of Christ. You know, the, the Passover, again, was their provision that they would be spared death. And so, that Passover, again, they would take a lamb and they would spread and they would slaughter it and spread that blood over the doorposts. And as that angel of death came by, it would pass over the house if it saw it on there. And what does John tell us? The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That when Jesus came and he went to the cross, he was that sacrificial lamb. That instead of his blood being spread on a doorpost, it was spread on a cross and it would spare us our lives. And the feast of the unleavened bread, as we said, that that the yeast was a symbol of sin. But 1 John 3 says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. In him there is no sin. Right. Christ was the perfect lamb of God. He was without defect. There was no sin in Christ. Why would God accept Christ as the ultimate sacrifice on our sins? Because he looked and he said, here is a holy man that is willing to die. And I will accept that in your stead. And the first fruits. Well, that was the beginning. That was the conclusion of the first part of the harvest. Uh, that that they went out and, and they would they would pick the, the best of the harvest fruit and they would offer the first part to God. That, that was the best they could offer to God. That was the idea. In First Corinthians 15, it says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The, the first fruits is a symbol of the resurrection of our Savior. The first future is the the three days after he spent in the grave and he came back to life, that he was the first to raise from the dead. And as a result of his resurrection, we now also may be resurrected in Christ. And so now God is beginning to gather his people. And then, then what do we have? 50 days after the first fruits, we, we have the Feast of the Harvest. With, again, this was a time to celebrate the, the harvest that has been culminating in the first part of the season, a way again to recognize God's provision in their lives, and, and he brings all the people back, and they all come back to Jerusalem. And what did God tell his disciples in John 14 and 16? He said, I, I'm going to go. But, but when I'm gone, I want you to wait here because something is going to come. I, I want you to stay here and I want you to wait because I'm going to offer to you another counselor. And in Acts 1, 4, he tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit. And then what happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, that, that as all of God's people are gathered together This this violent wind had come. And it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was the day of Pentecost. The coming of the Holy Spirit as it indwelled in his people. And so the the gathering of the, the Feast of Harvests was a gathering of the crops, and it's now a uniting of God's people together under one spirit. Under one power that has now been purified our souls to go forward into ministry. And this is what we would call as the church age, the time that stands before the first coming of Christ and the eventual second coming of Christ. And then as we shift to the next set of seasons, as we go from the spring to the fall, what does the trumpet sound? Again, remember, the trumpet was sounded to prepare the people for the Day of Atonement, to get their hearts ready. And we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, along with 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet, the call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. This is what we call the rapture. Or this is our resurrection before the tribulation is to come. God is bringing his people back now. And he's preparing for what is about to happen next. Because the next thing that happens is the day of atonement. Again, this is is where Christ would would come back. This is is where our sins in in the Old Testament, again, this is where their sins, the the communal uh, Israelites were gathered together. This was the day where their sins would be cast off and, and that goat would take the place for the entire community. And this is in Revelation 19. And then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. And when these signs had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its images, the two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed and the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and the birds gorged themselves. On their flesh. That is, the armies gather against God's people, those that are still here. Christ is going to come back a second time and he is going to deal with those enemies and he is going to deal with Satan and sin once and for all and he's going to cast him into the lake of fire. This is going to be the final day of atonement when all is said and done. And then what do we do? We celebrate one more time. We celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacle. Again, remember, God called his people to go out and to temporarily dwell in these tents. That's what tabernacle means. It's a dwelling. They were to live in those as a reminder of the tents that they lived in through the wilderness. And in Revelation 21, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people and we will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God that we will have an ultimate and permanent dwelling in the new heaven and the new earth. And this new dwelling will be made right, where there will no longer be any sin and pain and death. And we will dwell in the presence of God forever. And so that is a great celebration. That is a time because it's a culmination of everything that God has done for us. And what about the Sabbath and the lamps and the bread? Well, remember, those, are, those were weekly things that were to happen every single year. And that Sabbath was a time for us to, again, not just to rest, but to be reminded that when did God rest? God rested after his creation, that, that God is the sovereign creator and sustainer of this world. And those lamps had to continually be lit because they were the presence of God, that they were the light of God in this world. And those 12 loaves were the loaves of each one of his tribes, of each one of his people. And we who have put our faith in Christ are his children. So these feasts and and rituals, it, it just wasn't a time where God said you get to physically rest. It just isn't a time where God has said to his people, you get to you get to celebrate. You get to enjoy a meal together. You, you get to be in my presence. This was God's reminder in the calendar for his people. This was God's reminder of his eternal plan of salvation. It was a reminder to us of his great love for us and his care for us day in and day out. God would not only physically but spiritually provide for his people. And so what is our response to this? Well, what did they do? They celebrated. They celebrated that they had a God who forgave them. They celebrated that they had a God that provided them from beginning to end. God cared and loved for his people. And so from start to finish, from the beginning of the year until the end of the year, it's a chance for us to worship that same Savior. So let me end with Psalm 46, 10. What does it say? It says, be still and know I am God. That was the call to his people. Don't work. Just come be in my presence. Be reminded of who I am and be reminded for my love for you. so I encourage you to do the same. There's always a million things that we need to do. There's always something else that could be done around the house. There's always one more thing at work that you could get done. There's always one more phone call to make. There's always one more errand that you have to run. But if we are always going and going and going, we are going to miss the goodness of our God. So be still and sit in his presence. Let's pray. God, how odd it seems. You call us, you called your people to these feasts, to these festivals, to these rituals. And in a way, Lord, it seems like work to bring these offerings, to to sacrifice these animals but God, you did this for our benefit. God, you did this to say, here's here is how you walk with me. Better yet, not even to walk, but to just sit and to know that you are God. Lord, forgive us for the times where we in our own will and our own might believe that we have accomplished because we know all that we've been given is through you. Father, it's you who make the animals. It is you, Father, who brings the rain. It is you who, who allows these crops to grow. Lord, it's you who provides the air and the sustenance to our lives. So we thank you for those daily reminders of your great love for us. Amen.